just the loving. I think that's one thing you emphasize a lot. It was just the loving connection, because there were times where, you know, I was so stressed、uh, of trying to get all his things that I would miss the connection. So having those moments, or maybe you know, wiping his face with a facial toner, you know, because he he really likes to keep his face clean. Little moments like that was bonding moments. It made more opportunities for heart connections, rather than just getting what I think he needs or what he thinks he needs. That was very powerful. I thought. Hello, and welcome to the Age Stage Podcast. Where it is our mission to equip you with the resources to navigate life's challenges, empower you to make critical choices with the ones you love as they age. And enrich your life with a renewed sense of self worth, self confidence, and peace of mind. I'm your host, Dr. Cheryl Matthew. I'm excited to bring you this episode of Age Sage, making peace with Dad with Letty Floor. As a daughter and caregiver for her 85 year old father, Letty discovered a way to come to peace with what her dad wanted by coming into acceptance that this was his journey, and this was his life to live as he chose. She compassionately describes the twists and turns involved in caring for an aging loved one. Letty's journey of discovery and transformation took her from feeling frustrated at her inability to control her father's choices, towards a truly beautiful connection between father and daughter. I'm really happy you're joining us. I believe you'll be uplifted and inspired by Letty's story. We'll hear about Letty's journey right after a word from one of our sponsors. Every passage in life has its ups and downs, decisions and transitions, a beginning and an end. I invite you to navigate life's journey like an age sage, fully living, learning, and loving. As we care for our aging loved ones, we also need to make time to care for ourselves. So this is our safe space to share challenges, wisdom, and joy along life's adventure. I'm your guide, Dr. Cheryl Matthew, and this is Age Sage. So I want to welcome Letty today. Welcome, Letty. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, thanks so much for talking with me. I've really been looking forward to chatting with you, and I had the honor of helping Letty through some difficult times with her family, and specifically with her father during the many transitions of the aging journey. So. Before we get started, Letty, I wanted to ask you a just a lighthearted question. I am curious, what's your favorite place to go on vacation? Anywhere by the water. <laughs> I actually, I actually go to the beach once a week, and that's my mini vacation right there. I love watching the clouds. Sometimes I'll walk, and sometimes I'll lay on my back and watch the clouds go by. So the reason I wanted to talk with you today was. Because I really feel like your story with your dad will help other people going through a similar journey, and you know, I just want us to talk like we would normally talk.、Uh, you know, we've had many conversations about this, and I really think that your story and your voice will serve a lot of other people going through this similar situation. So I appreciate your willingness to talk about this personal journey. Oh, thank you. Oh, of course. Thank you. I'm happy to share. So, will you tell me what your situation was like before you called me for the first time? Okay, so that was last year, toward the end of summer. But 
Uh, let me go a little bit further. My dad at the time was um, 92 years old. And we're not very close. Um, you know, we'll usually see him when my husband, my, uh, myself and my daughter will see him when he wants to see us. So it was very much a relationship where he made all the shots, you know, he made all the calls. And, um, so we were sort of distant, but we were always happy to come by. We would always say, Hey, can we come by? And he would just say, just just drop off food. (laughs) So it was that kind of relationship. We would drop (laughs) off food. And oftentimes he would just say, just leave it there. I don't have to see you. (laughs) So, Hmm. you know, uh, we did that anyway, you know, because, uh, you know, we, wanted any opportunity. And sometimes he would come out and we would be like, yay, we get to see him. So I would say over the years, we've had situations where, you know, he might come over once a month and, you know, that would be really lovely, but we wouldn't be able to come into his house because it was pretty disorderly and he didn't want us to clean. So it was a a hard situation because my daughter and I are very sensitive to, you know, dust and everything. So um, luckily he would sometimes step out into the garden and we would meet him there. But, you know, it was a very controlled relationship. So I would say the reason why I called was that all of a sudden he ended up in emergency. Um, there was more emergency visit last year, but he was still feeling good. So he would have his arms out and say, you know, you can only come when I say, but um, last August, you know, I remember this because it was actually my daughter's birthday party. Um, he ended up in the hospital that morning of, and, you know, he wasn't doing well at all. So, so from that point on, everything went topsy turvy, meaning, you know, he was no longer in charge. He couldn't really tell me what he wanted. He was in a very fragile state and he was there for probably five days or so. And then after that, he was sent to a rehab center which he did resist, but he was kind of almost too weak to do that. So he was at a rehab center for two weeks and he really recovered pretty well. And that's when he started to, you know, be in charge again. But certainly he wasn't able to walk very well from that point on. You know, he was driving up to that point and all of a sudden he could barely walk. There was no way that he could drive. So things really changed and you know, he really needed my help. So he wasn't in a position to say, you can't do this. Or, you know, he was basically like, okay. So, um, you know, I was just in overwhelm. I was like, oh, finally I get to help my dad. But then I was like, wow, how am I going to do this logistically? He wants to live in his home, a uh, small cottage, and he wants the same caregiver. And I had my own family to take care of. Um, so it was like three weeks into this, you know, I was at the hospital every single day. And then he had a house that was, you know, really in bad condition. So during those two weeks, you know, my husband and my daughter and I, we literally took everything out of his small cottage and, you know, had to pare things down, you know, paint, hire people. It was just a really, (laughs) a really big job. And trying to manage his care at the rehab center, um, because there's all these doctors with, and nurses that had different agendas sometimes. So there was just a lot to manage, but I knew at that point that there was definitely a big shift in our relationship. I knew I had to get involved and he wasn't resisting for the first time. 
And then I thought there was just so many miss um, variables in action. I, I just simply could not even imagine, you know, navigating this. So that's when I knew, I mean, I always knew what Cheryl did. And I was like, it's time because now, you know, I have to be part of uh, co-navigating with my dad. And that's when I called Cheryl because it was way over my head. And there was, I knew that there was so much I didn't know. And I didn't know what was going to come. And I couldn't even handle what was happening. (laughs) So that was like the perfect time to call Cheryl. Hearing your story, I think it's beautiful, even even before he needed help, that you really honored his choices. How were you able to, inside, be okay with just seeing him when it was his choice and honoring his process and support his choices? I think it was one of those situations I didn't have a choice. I remember a friend of mine once told me, just meet meet your dad where he is instead of trying to make him come to where I am, <laughs> you know? And um, mm-hmm. so that made me wake up like, oh, okay, instead of having him meet my high standards of how this relationship should be, I need to really let go of my expectations and just make it safe and whatever works for him, you know? So it was almost like the common denominator, you know, <laughs> something like that. I had to figure mm. out what was was honoring to him and then meet him at that place because otherwise I don't think we would have a relationship. But what motivated me was uh, my daughter, you know, I my daughter and my father really had a nice connection. I think if it was just myself, I'm not sure that I would have been as resilient, you know, mm. but because mm-hmm. I want to support my daughter's relationship with my dad and my dad's relationship with my daughter it forced me to be less attached about my my little feelings or my big feelings or whatever I was going through as his daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it helped me mature rather than thinking about me only. <laughs> so when you look over the last, say, two years, at the times of transitions, of changes along those times, what is the story you were telling yourself at the different points? If you were in overwhelm, what stories were you telling yourself? The stories I would tell myself is, oh, I only have one dad. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I really don't have that much family. Um, so there's part of me that wants to be the good daughter. So I really kind of hung on to that. You know, I'm not sure if it served me well, but... It was like, oh, finally, I get to have this chance to do something for him. So when I saw opportunities, like whether it's food delivery or cooking something for him, his favorite meal, because he was definitely into food, that was an opening to connect. I would just tell myself, hey, you know, he's not going to be around forever. And let's, you know, let me just do my part and look for these openings and opportunities and connect with him uh, as much as I can. You know, sometimes they were really tough. It was really hard. You know, there was some part of me that would go through hurt feelings because, you know, I would deliver food and cook for a day or two and he wouldn't even say thank you or he might not even like the meal. So there were times where I went through those emotional disappointments, but, you know, I just kept going anyway. There were times where I had to kind of stay away for a week or so, but then I would just get back in there. So 
yeah, it was a, a tricky dance of how much to get close and how much to step back and and just be more neutral about the whole situation. As you look back, what were some of the transitional points? And it may have been those times that you decided to reach out and call me for like, okay, this is going on. What do I do now? Right. Do you remember some of those points? In the beginning, it was like getting him comfortable at home. We cleaned his place up. We gave more hours to his caregiver. We had to have a bunch of systems in place, you know, whether it's how we're going to get him food. One of his issues was um, he lost appetite and he started dropping a lot of weight. And that has been going on for the past probably a year before he ended up in the hospital. So it was definitely a process of, um, I think that's what the food issue was about. But the re- the first time I called was I knew I was, you know, out of my league and there was just so much going on because there was so much to juggle. So not only did we have to get the right people in place, but also figure out like how to track his health, you know, like whether it's blood pressure, pulse, oxygen level. We had the nurses come in once or twice a week, but on a day-to-day basis, things would go up and down. Uh, he was no longer coherent enough to take the medicine that he used to take. You know, he used to be able to be meticulous about, he knew every single little pill and what they did and how much to take. And all of a sudden he's going in and out of um, consciousness. Mm. And I remember, you know, one of the conversations I had with you was like, you know, is he okay? I remember you went through, is he safe? Is he in a good place? I remember, you know, you letting me know about what warning signs I should look out for. You know, what is, um, I remember your booklet was very helpful. I think the number one thing was, is he safe? Is he okay? Because it was hard for me to discern as a daughter, because I had all this emotion, emotion going through me of like how much to help him, how much not to help him. Um, he was sort of in and out of in charge. There was all these elements about caregivers and food and, you know, his health and his lack of mobility, which changed dramatically. And there were moments where he would be doing great for like a week or two. And then, then he would slip back for a couple of days. He would just sleep for a couple of days. And we were like, Oh, is this it? You know, and the nurse said it might be, you know, <laughs> so there was just a lot of um, these moments. And I remember calling you for the next round of like, okay, I'm not sure what's going on here. Maybe you can tell me what things to prepare for. And that's when you talked about the legal documents, the power of attorney and five wishes. So we did the power of attorney right away after I spoke with you. The five wishes was something my dad loved. I think that really comforted him a lot. I was so grateful you pointed me to that document. Because until that point, he did not want to talk about funeral arrangements or how he want things to be. But when he read that, you could tell he just lit up. And he was very straightforward about, hey, I want to die here. I don't want to go to a nursing home. If I need to go there at some point, I might. But right now, this is how I want to die. And he, we talked about cremation. You know, that's what he wanted. And I asked him, uh, how, you know, what should we do with your ashes? And he, it was very funny, but he just said, throw me in the ocean. <laughs> uh, you know, 
And I remember thinking, you mean, we will gently scatter your ashes over the ocean. He said, and he was kind of like, whatever. <laughs> it was a, a very funny thing. It was almost like, just throw me away in the ocean, you know? I think those were his words, mm-hmm. actually. Um, but, you know, but it was, we finally got to talk and, and he said, Oh, you know, we went through all the details of it, like whether he, you know, then we had opportunities like, Hey, what kind of music do you like? And then he, that opened the door for his music. And then I started to collect music that he liked. So that was really very helpful. Um, and then as we got these legal documents in order, it just gave me a peace of mind, <laughs> you know, in a big way. It was mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, I don't know, you know, I didn't really have details to, I didn't know anyone close that who went through this process. So it was all new. And, um, but I, you know, I was glad that I took the steps, you know, there were times where I was too busy to go look for a notary <laughs> or look for, you know, to order these things and have these conversations. And, you know, in the meantime, trying to get his food prepared and, you know, there was just a lot of piece moving pieces. But, you know, I was glad that I went through them and I was so grateful that you shared about them. That was very, very important. Yeah. And I remember you went through all the safety checklists of the home and that all those things really made a difference because those are things that I didn't pay attention to in the past that allowed me to have checklists for the caregiver. And just say, hey, make sure you do these things and make sure whether it's uh, how to take his medicine to making sure the, <laughs> that we had a, a fire extinguisher, that all his smoke alarm, everything was working. I mean, just the basic of just, they were all working, but it was just good to just double check and make sure his oxygen tank was monitored carefully. You know, there was just a lot of pieces that was important. And also just the loving. I think that's one thing you emphasize a lot was just the loving connection because there were times where, you know, I was so stressed uh, of trying to get all his things that I would miss the connection, like, you know, talking to him because, you know, as soon as I would show up, he would give me a list of things to do. And I remember I was missing the connection because I was so busy trying to meet his to-do list that I, I remember you shared about, you know, to be loving and to have that connection. So sometimes I would show up and I say, Papa, I will do your list, but hey, why don't we check in with each other and let's talk? And that really was very helpful because until that point, I think I just felt drained because all I did was run around do errands. So having those moments or maybe, you know, wiping his face with a facial toner, you know, because he, he really likes to keep his face clean. Um, little moments like that was bonding moments. And uh, it made more opportunities for heart connections rather than just getting what I think he needs or what he thinks he needs. That was very powerful, I thought. So s- slowing down from the busyness of the duties or tasks that needed to happen and just right. spending mom- quality moments with him. That's wonderful. Yeah. It was really, really helpful. I think we both resisted it in a way. I think it was two-sided. I think there was part of us that got wrapped up in, oh, we got to clean this and we got to do this and get this, I don't know, you know, all the to-dos. But when we slow down, 
you know, then we had something special together, you know? Well, that seems especially important because the way you described it, it didn't seem like that that's the relationship that you had before this happened. Correct. Like Definitely. It, would, it sounds like there was a deeper relationship closer to the end of his life than it was earlier in his life. Is definitely. That's absolutely correct. Yeah. Yes. I think when I was in my teenage years, we were definitely close, but this was a different close. I think because I met him where he was, he was able to trust me. You know, I think it was a safety issue when I look back. He didn't want me to just come in and take charge of everything. You know, that's not what he wanted. And I think I was moving in that direction, you know, because I was like, okay, if we clean his house and make everything sanitary and make sure he has the proper meals, then everything's going to be okay. But, you know, that wasn't honoring of his way. Mm -hmm. So I had to kind of let go of some of those standards, you know, and, and just say, hey, what does he need? What does he want? And go around what he wanted rather than what I thought he needed, you know, so, so that was good for both of us. Yeah. I do remember that one of the times you called, it was close to the beginning, one of our first conversations and he needed more help and his house wasn't in the condition that you probably would live in yourself. Right. And you were thinking that there was, you know, the caregivers could do more and there was, um, you had some expectations of how, you know, it should look or his care would look, but that you really understood that it was different than what he wanted. Correct. And when, when we talked about, you know, first make sure he's safe. And also, you know, he didn't have any memory impairment. So he was making his own choices along the way. Right. And so, Correct. so giving him the, the, the dignity of his own choices, even if it looked different than what you or I would do. And so right. I remember you made a really, it, it really hit you at the time and you're, it was a big aha. Yeah, it was. And, and you really just allowed him the dignity of his choice. So you helped him stay at home and, and while making sure he was safe. Yeah, definitely. Did he, were you ever consider like residential care? Yeah, I think we did. Um, there was times where I would present it to him. You know, financially, he didn't want to spend money that way, nor did he want me to spend money that way. So, but most importantly, it was a privacy issue for him. He's a very private person and he didn't want to, you know, he like, he's a comfort bug and he, like most of us, I am too. He didn't want to be in a facility where there was all these people going in and out that he didn't know. And he didn't want to be told what to do. So there were a couple of times we had the conversation, but after he read the five wishes, I kind of let go of those expectations. Mm. In fact, mm. there was a time when, um, cause you know, he was like, this is what I want. And I was like, okay, let's do it. You know? <laughs> um, and I remember there was a time, I would say a couple of times where he was doing really bad. Like he wasn't coming to consciousness for like a couple of days in a row. And the nurse was like, okay, maybe you should consider, you know? And I was like, let's just give it one more day. Let's give it one more day. Cause that's not what he wants. I'd rather just hire more people. And I think at that point we did install a camera in his room. That took a lot for him to say, okay, to that. And, um, I just said, we'll just watch him and we'll visit him and see how it goes. But I, I was really clear that that's not what he wanted. And I didn't want to, um, uh, I didn't want to do that to him. So 
at some point I was clear that that wasn't going to happen. Hmm. So can you tell me what the last week of his life was like for, for him and for you? It was a very unusual time. I actually ended up being very sick. <laughs> and um, so I couldn't visit him. It was very interesting. I ended up having hmm. a really bad bout of shingles, which I never had in my life. So I basically couldn't move. I was in bed. And um, I think that happened two weeks before. So I couldn't visit him. And he was asleep. He started to sleep a lot. It was very hard for me to not be able to see him. But at the same time, I had this other thought, which happened a lot, which is that there were many times we thought he was going to pass and he did not. So we had many ample opportunities to say goodbye. I mean, we literally many times said, oh, my God, this is it. And then a couple of days later, he would perk up and he was fine. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was back to himself. So I didn't know. I stopped assuming like this was it, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I still went there, but there was always this little hope, like he'll come back. It felt different the last week though. And I think even though I had shingles, I started, you know, I showed up and I did what I could do because I was feeling better, but I could tell that something shifted with him. And so for a couple of days, he um, was sleeping and then he literally came up for air for like a day. It was a really interesting process because I heard that saying, I, I'm not, I think you have told me as well that right before they pass, they perk up and so they can say their goodbyes. So I was, I felt blessed, you know, we were wanting to connect with him and he was very much in a shopping mode. <laughs> he was like shopping all these, um, fruit trees for, he wanted to build an orchard. So he was buying all these fruit plants and pots and soil. And, you know, he was kind of on that passion for, I would say, a couple of weeks. So that day he was like shopping, shopping, shopping on eBay. And I remember I literally felt like I was talking to a, a teenager. My teenager's not like that, but felt like a teenager when they're on the phone a lot, I had to say, hey, Papa, can you put your laptop away? I'd like to talk to you. And it took him a while to put it down because he was like, no, I need to buy this. I need to buy that. And uh, and I think I didn't realize at the time that he was mostly gone. And he probably had that inner child <laughs> that was kind of running the show. So I didn't know that at the time. But um, so I got to, you know, talk to him a little bit and but he was definitely on this other place. So I would say that afternoon we hung out with him and then we noticed that he got more tired and he's got into that sleep state, but he looked really still like, um, you know, so we said our goodbyes again because we weren't sure what was going on. And then the next day, you know, I think when I get got home that day, you know, I called all the family members, um, and said, hey, you might want to visit him. I guess I've been telling them for a couple of weeks, but they haven't been able to visit. So I kind of gave them that last shout out and say, hey, it's probably time to see him. So um, so that was Saturday. And Sunday, he was sleeping a lot. And we said our goodbyes again. 
and we played all his favorite music, and we did our prayers and all of that. And then we went home Sunday night, and then Monday morning, you know, I called all the family members and said, I left them a message and say, how's everything going? Can you call me? And um, I would say a little bit after that, the nurse told me that he had passed. Actually, it wasn't the nurse. I'm sorry. It's the, one of the caregivers told me he passed. And, um, you know, there was just that, I don't know, it was just that quiet moment of like, wow. You know, I, I think there was part of me that never thought it was going to happen. There was a sense of relief because he was in a lot of pain and he was, you know, going through. I mean, I really sensed that he wanted to live every single day. I mean, he just really relished life. You know, he loved his ice cream and he loved his, uh, even though he lost his appetite, I mean, he still, even though he couldn't move at all, he just loved where he was. He just wanted to live one more day. I mean, I was really amazed that with the little mobility he had, he could move a little bit of his hands and uh, a little bit of his legs at that point, but he couldn't really physically move more than that. He was just happy to be alive. So when he passed, there was, you know, there was a relief of like, oh, wow. You know, he, he, it was tough on him. And then there was a little bit of like, wow, you know, he really made the best of every moment and he never complained about his situation. That's beautiful. Yeah. It was just a peaceful moment. And, uh, I thought it was perfect because his favorite song is Somewhere My Love. And <laughs> I looked at the moment where he had his last breath and was, it was that song, you know, it was from Dr. Zhivago, his favorite movie. And so I thought that was very um, interesting as well. You're saying that that song was playing at the time? Yes. <laughs> he, his oh, last wow. breath was during that song. Oh, that's yeah, perfect. It was, yeah, it was perfect. It was amazing. When they say hearing's mm -hmm. the last to go, I, I believe that. Mm -hmm. um, and it was funny. I think my, and coincidentally, my, all the family members called and said, Hey, we're on our way. And I said, mm -hmm. Oh, mm -hmm. just so you know, he did pass. And so it turned into a wake, you know, he didn't want a wake or memorial and all that. You know, he didn't want a funeral per se. So it just turned into a wake because they, they were already at his place. So they got to say goodbye. They kind of lived further away. So, um, so we all gathered and we all got to hang out with him after he passed. And I could tell, I could sense like he was already gone. It was a very interesting process. It felt very different. You know, I, mm. I could tell it was mm -hmm. just the body at that point. I didn't feel his spirit anywhere around. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So there was just an inward um, gratitude and goodbye of um, mm. that. Wow, you did it. You know, you lived 93 years and with all that you have and explored and had your adventures and lived fully. So there was a lot of peace that came with that. I remember talking to you at that point, and I remember noticing that you didn't seem sad. You seemed at peace. And, you know, my experience is that when someone is conscious along the line of the decisions and the choices and being present with 
what is mine to do right now? Do I need to go visit him? Do I not? Honoring the process. So when you're conscious of that process, it can make the grieving easier. When he passed, can you tell me just a little bit about your grieving process? Yeah, of course. So first, I think I felt very neutral about it. There was a, like you said, I felt like, gosh, there was a moment of like, could I have done more? And I was like, no, <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of entertained the idea for a moment and I was like, no, 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 I did it. I, I fully was involved and engaged. So I think that was a big piece. And then I think the many goodbyes, I thank him for it. <laughs> you know, it, there was just many points, I would say at least six where we thought this was it. So in mm-hmm. each time there was like a fine tuning. I said, there was like, Oh, goodbye. And then, Oh, I could have said this or I could have done this. And so each time I, it was almost like a groundhog day, you know, um, mm-hmm. I had another opportunity to say goodbye and, and really fine tune it to what was present at the moment. And I think practically speaking, I think what happened also was that in a way I kind of lost him many years ago. I think from high school to, you know, up to high school, we were really close. And then after that, it was just a, a a series of many goodbyes and distance. It was a long goodbye. You know, there was a lot of separations along the way. And I think if anything, the last six to nine months of his life, probably like more like nine months, you know, it was more like reconnecting you know, kind of creating new memories and new experiences as not so much father and daughter, but more like an old friend. Mm-hmm. So I think what I had with him the last nine months was more of a friendship rather than the father-daughter relationship. So I love hearing the stories about your dad. And I especially love one thing you told me. You told me a story about when we have a com- we had a conversation and we talked about reframing things. Do you remember the story I'm talking about? Yes, absolutely. Uh, would you that share was, that with uh, me? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, before I worked with you, I mean, I definitely felt like I was hitting myself <laughs> against the wall many, many times with my dad because we we would play this game where I would, uh, you know, I would show up with food and then he would be very prickly or even mean sometimes. And then I would just go into, oh, you know, feeling sorry for myself and, or just feeling really angry and upset. And I went back and forth with that. And I remember talking to you about it because when he was really, really sick, you know, and he was in the hospital and rehab, he was so loving and caring and he was just open to all my ideas. And, you know, he was easy to cuddle with. And, and then like, Dr. Chekhov and Mr. Hyde, he would turn into kind of prickly and closed um, hearted and he was very hard to communicate with. So I was going through that back and forth and I didn't know what to do. And I remember you really helped me, Cheryl, because you said that from your experience, you know this for some people that when they're doing well, they're very difficult to work with and they might have their arms out or, you know, kind of go into their pattern and you know, when they're not doing well and they didn't feel as independent, then they were very 
nice and sweet. And that really helped me because I don't know how many times I would show up, you know, expecting him to say, Oh, you're such a great daughter or you did such a good job. But instead I would get <laughs> a lot of, um, just, he was just prickly and difficult and maybe even closed or didn't even acknowledge that I was there. And when you told me that, I remember saying to myself, Oh, that means he's doing great. He's doing really good, you know? <laughs> and, um, so it helped me a lot. I was like, Okay, this, you know, I can't take this personally. That means he's doing great. That means, you know, that meant a lot of things to me. Number one, I, I felt great that he was doing well. And that also meant that nice balance between that dance that my dad and I had was, you know, when to get close and when to step back. So when he was, he had his arms out, he was very demanding and prickly. Then I realized, oh, he's doing well. And I don't have to be hovering over him. I could go back to my life a little bit. <laughs> so, you know, you helped me really reframe and also make it humorous. I, I, I remember you always told me, you know, have a sense of humor, use your humor. And that helped a lot. And then when he was not doing well, you know, I, you know, it was bittersweet because I realized, oh, he's, you know, vulnerable and very sweet and very uh, submissive because he wasn't doing well. And that was a cue for me to kind of lean in and help him more. So I think that was really huge. It really helped our relationship because when he was prickly, I took it as a positive reframe of him doing well. Mm -hmm. Um, and no longer, you know, he's a mean father or something, you know, <laughs> that I would tell myself. Um, right. so thank you. That was very freeing. And, uh, you know, some, as, as a family member, both my husband, my, my daughter and I, you know, if I would forget and he was prickly, um, my daughter would kind of wink or my husband would wink and say, he's doing great, Letty. And I would say, <laughs> oh, you're right. You're right. You know, then I was able to snap out of, that emotional, you know, thing that I was going through. So no, that was a huge deal mm. that you helped with me with. That was really, really big. So we had phone calls and you also, you purchased and listened to the, the caregiver video series that I have online. And are there any things from the work that you'd like to tell other people of that helped your process and kind of change the trajectory? First of all, Cheryl, thank you so much. I, I couldn't, there is no way I would have had this amazing closure with my dad and some tender and sweet moments with my dad without you. Because, you know, our relation, my relationship with my father wasn't great. Um, there was a lot of distance between us, but you, you know, I remember the first time I called you and I, I wanted to get your videos and that really helped me a lot. I watched the videos right away. I love that your videos were anywhere from five to, I don't know, 12 minutes or something. So I can just capture the topics I wanted, whether it was about hospice or about, um, you know, just kind of assessing social or spiritual strengths or, you know, just cognitive, just, there were so many things about your videos and they were like five to 12 minutes. I hadn't, you know, I had time for those. It wasn't, I was busy, but I had time to really digest them and pick and choose which topics I wanted to listen to. But I remember that gave me confidence. It was like your video series gave me a big overview of things that I was experiencing and things that, you know, that were to come that I didn't know about and things that I need to consider. It just gave me confidence to have that big picture and to know what resources were available and that I had choices. 
I mean, it was very empowering, not only working with you personally, but these video series really talk about details, things that I want to know that I didn't even know I needed to know. So um, thank you for that. And I remember that it came with a also write-up um, with a lot of resources and information. So, you know, it was good because sometimes I, I listen to video and then I might just read the booklet just to read through it if I need to go through anything in particular. But I feel like everyone should read these because whether you have an aging caregiver or anyone, because it really applies to a parent or anyone um, that, you know, may need assistance. Um, there's just an overall tone of like how to take care of myself better, how to set boundaries, you know, how to assess the situation. And there's just a lot of pieces that I wasn't aware of and that I found helpful, not only for my situation with my dad, but just overall in life. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. And I, you know, you were just an amazing champion with when you called, you just laid it out with this is what's going on. I don't know what to do. I feel overwhelmed. And we, we talk and you would get some tools of, you know, what to do, what to expect. And then you went out and I didn't hear from you for a while. And then you call and I'm like, okay, I'm ready. What's around the next bend and what's around the next bend. And you just kept rising to the occasion. So it's a great example of when you, when you have the tools and you're prepared, then you can go be the hero of your story. And you just did an amazing, well, I'd say work, but it's not, it's not work. It's a work of the heart, you know, with our loved ones, but you did an amazing job caring for and advocating and giving your dad exactly what he wanted for his aging transitions, you know, all the way up to the end. So you're just a great example, Letty. So thank you for sharing your story. And it's just been a pleasure being with you. And um, thank you for sharing your, your journey and your family's journey with me. Anything oh, else you yeah. want to say? Yeah, before I we... just want, I, I mean, I cannot say enough about your work, Cheryl. It's very empowering. I felt that you had a voice, not just for myself as a caregiver, but you had a voice for my father that mm-hmm. I never really saw because he was my father. So I think you helped me not only recognize my own voice, but, you know, to be an advocate for my father. I didn't know what that meant until I worked with you. Um, you really put everything on the table. You gave me lots of resources and tools to empower myself and to be an advocate for myself as well as definitely for my dad. It was very reassuring knowing not just your videos and not only our consultation, but knowing that you were just a phone call away if I needed help was very comforting because I knew you knew what, what I was going through. And, um, you just made my life easier. And, you know, there were times where I had some difficult days and I remember calling you and after speaking with you, you helped me refocus on being of service to my dad. And at the same time, taking care of myself. Um, you were very practical. I just can't say enough words about how much your work impacted our family dynamics. I think if, if it wasn't our work together, I'm not sure that it would have had the happy ending that we experienced. So mm-hmm. thank you for helping us and helping me awaken to, to my father's needs and, and to honor him. I think you really helped me hear his voice. Um, I don't, I think if it wasn't for you, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know where to start. So 
Um, mm-hmm. Thank you for seeing that I have choices and that um, that I always had a choice. Um, and that alone was very freeing. So thank you for being there every step of the way, you know, from, from the beginning to the very end. I mean, you helped us plan, you know, we even talked about the memorial and how that was going to be. I mean, you helped us all the way through. And um, thank you, Cheryl. I want everyone to hear about this work because uh, without you, I don't think, you know, this would have been, like I said, a happy closure and um, healing that took place between me and my father. So thank you so much. Mm. That's beautiful, Letty. And I appreciate it. And I also know that, you know, you, you reached out for the information. So you, you created this peace of mind, you, know, you, you took in the information. And, you know, in my heart, I would love to have everybody know about the choices that are available for their loved ones, and how to take care of themselves and take care of others. You're just a beautiful demonstration of that. So Thank you so much, Letty. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Thank it's you. a beautiful, beautiful story. And uh, I will talk to you later. Yes. Um, and thank and, you. Yeah. And any way okay. I can share your work, I'm happy to do so. Thank you, Letty. Thank you so All much. Right. I right. love you. Bless okay, you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us. At AgeSage, our aim is to equip you with resources to navigate life's challenges, empower you to make critical choices with your aging loved ones, and enrich your life with a renewed sense of self-worth, self-confidence, and peace of mind. I want to take a moment to ask you to rate, review, and recommend this podcast. AgeSage is a new podcast that we created just for you, but no one will know about it if our listeners don't spread the word. So please take a moment now to review it, and share it with friends whom you know would benefit from it. If you have a burning question that you would like me to answer on the show, please head over to agesage.co and leave me a voicemail. There you will also find detailed show notes for each episode, and you can download my free ebook, Advocating for Aging Loved Ones. Once again, that's agesage.co, A-G-E-S-A-G-E dot C-O. This is Dr. Cheryl Matthew, and I want to thank you again for joining us today. I look forward to sharing this journey with you.